Retain podcast. Hey, Game Grow Retain. I wanted to tell you about I Digress, which is hosted by Troy Sandage and brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. It's got shows under 30 minutes, and it helps to eliminate complexity, complications, and confusion in your business uh, through a series of frameworks and strategies. Um, he talks all about scalable and sustainable success. He hits on things like marketing, sales, customer success, and more. So go check out I Digress and listen to I Digress wherever you get your podcasts. All right. We're back with another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain coming to you um, live right before the holidays. And, you know, we're, um, I'm finding a nice little quiet moment in my schedule. I don't know if you are, Anita, but um, it's actually, it's fun to do these around the holidays because it's a little bit quieter. It's a little bit more um, even keeled. So uh, I've got Anita Toth with us. This is maybe second or third time. I forget. This is my second, second Second time time coming on the podcast. Um, Anita has been awesome in our gang grow team community and somebody that we've um, looked up to and uh, talked with quite a bit. So Anita excited for you to to join us again. Yeah. And, and I have to say Jeff, same thing Um, right before the holidays, I thought be crazy busy this week. It's actually a little quieter on the meeting front and I'm loving it. (laughs) Um, Well, we were talking a little bit before this and, you know, I think um, we're always trying to look for topics and things that are uh, relevant, that are popping up, that we're seeing in the community. Um, and we, um, I mean, I know you've you've really been um, looking at voice of customer as um, a big part of what you do to help organizations um, as they think through programs that they're running, as they think through um, the right type of dialogue to be creating with customers. And we've gone through some situations recently that were pretty relevant to, I think, today's conversation. So um, I think the one that that I brought up, and uh, I actually talked about this on the podcast. Um, I'll have to go figure out who the episode was, uh, but I talked about this on the podcast with somebody else actually who mentioned. But the idea of kind of being easy to work with, um, and what I mean by that is, you know, w- when a customer is churning, it's a really unfortunate event. We've we've kind of um, it's you know manifested over several steps. It's gotten to a point where they said, "Hey, we're not getting value. We're not liking this relationship. Like we're going to go in a different direction." Um, and, you know, I think in that moment, there's two ways to react. One is, you know, um, uh, very restrictive and very kind of hard to do business with and say, hey, you know, we're, we've locked you into a contract or, hey, we're, um, you know, we, we don't appreciate this and kind of get um, staunch or you can be easy to work with in, in what I mean and say um, gracefully, you know, hey, let's have a conversation about this. We'd love to learn the feedback. We'd love to get it, you know, understand what went wrong, where, how we did it. Um, and so I don't know, Anita, if you've seen both of those things play out, but what is, what first comes to mind when you start thinking about, you know, um, churning customers and, and how you think about the offboarding plan for those? Um, I, so this is where I plant a flag into the ground. And I say that your customers really don't want to churn and yep, there are things that happen out, you know, in their companies and stuff like that, but the majority of them are churning because there's something that happened from the time they became a customer until the time they're leaving that they just go, you know what, this is just not acceptable anymore. It's not to my expectations. I'm not happy with this. I'm frustrated by that. So trying to find out what those, what those are. And again, across different customer segments, it's not going to be identical uh, experience for all of your customers. The like an exit um, or you know, an exit interview is an excellent opportunity to find out what's going on. So long as, and I will say this really strongly, it's not used as an attempt to win back. So you're going in with an open mind to say, all right, let's see, what, what are we doing? 
what, what is causing this? Is there an expectation that was set in the marketing or sales process that once they became a customer and they hit met with reality, they were like, whoa, this is not all what I expected. Or maybe some things were downplayed about how much work would be involved with the onboarding process or support and what that was going to be like. Um, So there's an excellent, excellent opportunity, but you got to go in with an open mind. So in the first case that you gave where it's like this, you know, almost like offended the customers would churn. Well, if you're going to try to talk to customers that way, I would suggest you hire an outside agency to come in and do that because you're going to hear things that might be difficult to hear. But if you can go in with a truly curious and open mind and take your emotions out and try not to win them back and try not to, you know, um, downplay their experience in the conversation, you're going to learn a lot of things. And one thing you'll start seeing are, are patterns. Okay, so this customer said this, this customer, you know, customer number two, who's churning also said this, customer number three said this, wow, maybe there's something here that we should look at and have a a closer examination and and see is where this gap exists between what they expected and what really happened once they became a customer. Yeah. So I wrote down three questions that I wanted to maybe run through really quick and kind of get your your perspective on um, just around this, right? So the, the idea of um, holding exit interviews and um, trying to do it in in the right way. So I think the first question that comes to mind is um, how do you how how would you attempt to get the customer to agree to that? Right. I think in some cases people might be on the other end listening to this saying, "Well, I've tried that, but my customer just says I'm turning anyways. Why do I need to have a conversation with you?" So I don't know any any ideas or ways that you've tried to kind of say, "Hey, get the customer on the other end to, to agree, even just to a 15, 20, 30 minute conversation about this this um, kind of exit." Yeah, absolutely. So there's different ways you can go about it. One is you can write it into the contract. That is one way to do it. The second is to put the expectation in that initially either kickoff or onboarding process so that they know that part of their exiting will require this quick 15 minute interview. So, so those are some ways. Now, if you don't have something like that in place, um, it's just asking for a goodwill gesture. At this point, you want to offer something to them, some sort of like we typically when we're doing this for um, our clients, we offer some sort of remuneration. So a 30 minute call, if it's an end user might be, you know, $50, but if it's, you know, an executive or a key stakeholder, you might want to offer more. And it might seem like, well, why are we paying for this information? Because (laughs) your customer lifetime value, I bet, is way higher than that little bit that you just paid to say thank you. And you can let them know in advance, hey, we will pay you for your time and let them know as well. It is not an attempt to win them back because we've all had the bait and switch happen on us. Just be very clear. We're just going to ask you questions and that's it. And the one thing that this does is it can leave the relationship on a good note. Yep. So the possibility of, of winning them back actually increases. Yeah, I think um, I've seen I've, I've seen this question kind of pop up before as well, even in our community. And a couple of things that come to mind is, um, like you said, I think another way to think about giving them um, value for this type of conversation is also looking at industry events and saying, is there something that you're going to be doing next year that we could essentially help, you know, fund for you. Hey, are you going to go to a conference? Um, and you, you know, can we help 
you know, put some money towards the ticket that you're going to buy, or, you know, can we help um, do anything in that way? But I think also, like you said, um, not only looking at, Hey, we'll give you an Amazon gift card or some, some sort of value. Right. But also like, Hey, can you make it something that's like to their role, to their job, um, which goes a long way as well. The other thing that I just wrote down um, that I think about too, is that a lot of times you might automate this type of message, you know, a closed lost opportunity and then you automate them or, you know, you automate them or churn. And then you automate a message that out that just kind of has like standard language. And I always call it corporate language just because I'm, I'm in this age of like, how do we start writing? Like we talk, you know, we're building relationships person to person, not company to company. I mean, we are right. We, we sign a document company, company or business to business. But, um, I also think about how can you make that, like you said, how can you make that email just really well-crafted in your own words, writing like you talk, Hey, you know, Hey, we really, we, as a goodwill gesture, we'd really appreciate the time to do this. Like we want to do better for our future customers. You can help us do that. Um, we'd love to learn from you. Like this is, you know, here's how we've used these types of interviews before. Like, you know, we take this information, we do this, like even describing the process, I think helps as well to say, Hey, this isn't going to be something that I just take notes. And then it just, you know, gets left in my, uh, SharePoint for 10 years. Um, you know, it's like, Hey, we're actually going to put this into a process that we run, like even describing things like that, I think it'd be helpful and convincing, Hey, would you spend a bit, a bit of time with us, um, to be helpful. But before I forget, I want to go back and say in that email, you have an opportunity to say, I'm sorry, we, we let you down. Like yeah, just yeah. Cu- come right out and say it. I'm yeah. sorry. We let you down. We're not quite sure how we did it. We'd like to have this conversation to find out how. Yeah. Because I really believe like they put so much time and effort and the emotions like of, you know, is this the right decision? Is this not? What happens if it doesn't work out? How does this change our processes? Like so much goes into making the decision to become a customer. Yeah. That, like it's, it's kind of like in a relationship. You, you, you really don't want to leave <laughs> yeah. unless it gets to the point where something egregious has happened, where you're like, okay, I'm just out of here. Like we're always as humans looking for that little, you know, um, indication that things might change. Okay. I'll stick with it. They didn't do so great on here. Maybe they'll do a little better on here. Oh, darn. They didn't. So now I'm disappointed with this as well. And it becomes cumulative. It's, it's very rarely one thing that causes someone to go, yeah, I'm just out of here. It is often a whole bunch of little things that add up. So in that email, say that, like, I'm sorry that we let you down. And can we have a conversation to find out exactly where, so that, like you said, we can make it better for um, our other customers. And, and, you know, hopefully they will feel that they want to stay versus want to leave. Um, Yeah. And that that conversation can bring those really deep, incredible insights. But to your point earlier, you have to put budget to this. There's got to be some budget allocated and it doesn't mean every single churned customer needs to have an interview, but there's got to be budget allocated because again, a customer's lifetime value is going to be far higher than the, whatever, couple hundred bucks that you might spend to interview them for 30 minutes and find out, you know, perhaps save how many other countless customers from churning. Yeah. The, the other thing that you, um, just mentioned in there too, that just made me think a little bit. Uh, even a little more, it's just the, the idea that like, they don't really want to leave. Like, think about like when you make a decision, right? Like you really don't want to leave. Cause now what, what I've done is I'm, I'm now having to go back internally and admit that the first solution that I came to the table with isn't working. So I'm going to have to move to a second solution. And, and like that already hurts my credibility internally at the organization now thinking, okay, now I have to offboard on one 
take all that data, take all the stuff that I have, all the process, everything and move it over. Like, think about the, like you said, just think about how much um, internal, like organizational um, baggage that creates right now. I have to go retrain people on new product, or I have to go talk about this to our IT team and change all this stuff over. Like there is so much that goes into it that like a customer really doesn't want to do that. Like that, like inherently, like we would rather stay with a solution that is helping us get value that is moving in the right direction. And so like, you know, I think you have to keep that in mind too. Like that is such a good point. Hello, Gangrotain. This is Jeff. You might be listening to the show today for many reasons. Maybe you're looking to learn something new. Maybe you're looking to listen to a speaker that you love, or maybe you're driving and the co-pilot has control of the radio. Whatever the case is, I wanted to tell you about HubSpot's CRM platform and some new pieces that improve the customer experience. First, customer intelligence tools that help your teams get real-time insight into calls through automatic recording, transcription, and analysis. Think about the types of conversations and coaching that you can do with your customer teams. Next is easy share meeting links, which let your customers see availability and book meetings with you all from the HubSpot platform. The last improved data hygiene, and that always is needed in a CRM platform. So learn more about how you can transform your customer experience with a HubSpot CRM platform at HubSpot.com. The next next question I had for you around this is, so you mentioned earlier, there's a couple of avenues uh, about who might be able to have this conversation. I think you can bring in a third party. Like you said, you've done this type of stuff for customers before. Um, I know of other other kind of third party firms that are doing exit interviews like this. Um, but if you were looking internally at your organization and say you were starting to do this, do you have a preference if this is like a, a CSM who's got maybe a relationship or is it a leader and trying to come in, you know, a leadership title? Does that matter more? Or is it like the CEO that matter? Like, who do you think really should be delivering or having this type of conversation um, from, from the organization's perspective, if they were kind of looking internally first? Yeah. Great question, Jeff. I actually have a webinar on this and then a mini download that speaks exactly to this on how to set this up. And this might be surprising for some people. It should not be the CSM who has a relationship with that customer. And the reason is if it's, let's say the relationship was good, the customer is still churned and that CSM goes to interview them, well, the customer might not want to be fully disclosing of (laughs) what they are really thinking or feeling. And that's actually what you want. You want someone who's able to, to open them up. So my recommendation is this, within a team, you wanna train two people who can do the exit interviews. It's not as simple as just asking questions. And it's the, I, so you can go and on my website, look under free information. There's, there's a download there, go and see the process that needs to be set up because you have to learn to establish trust and you have to be able to, um, you're really guiding the conversation and it's understanding, you know, when to probe and when to sort of just let something be and, and not comment on it. Let them have their answer. Thank you. And then then you move on to the next question. And the reason why you want two people trained is just in case somebody's sick, somebody transfers, somebody moves, you still have somebody internally and you can train them. The other thing with the training, which is awesome, is you can practice on other members of the team. So everybody's kind of question asking gets a little better because it really is a skill to ask the right questions in the right order at the right time and in the right way. And so um, if it's a CS leader doing it, that's great. If they're the one person on the team, um, 
you're going to have to really figure out and who wants to do it. Like there's no sense in assigning this role to somebody who just really doesn't want to do it. So ask, ask if people are, are wanting to do it. Is this something they'd be interested, interested in, and then always have two people who can do it and never, never should be the person that has a relationship with the churning customer. So I, um, yeah, I agree. I I mean, I think, um, my role right now is around customer experience. So I actually take a lot of these calls myself. Um, I see it, you know, um, as something that I need to stay close to our, our customers, not only who are happy, but customers who are churning as well. So, um, I've taken this on. I also think to your point, like I've thought quite a bit about who else should we, uh, be getting to do this. And actually we've run, we've run two types of, um, uh, customer call campaigns, um, for many of our team members, these are all, these are all current customers. And so we've actually gotten multiple team members involved, like across the org. And so two names came to mind or two, two roles came to mind though, somebody in like the product marketing org, right. Somebody who's thinking about the solution as a total, how is it, how are we actually presenting it to the market? What are the types of things that, um, you know, we're saying, we're kind of selling as solutions. Um, what, what are the features that were like somebody like that probably should be close to the customer and in this way, like be having those types of conversations. So that might be somebody to think about um, in terms of training. The other, and uh, this might be counterintuitive, but I also think trying to find somebody on the sales organization who's open to this as well. There, I mean, to your point, um, you know, A, I think, you know, a lot of times we lay stuff at the feet of sales, um, you know, rightly or wrongly. But I just think a lot of times, you know, they're, they're the ones that the customer is spending an initial amount of time with they're building the relationship. They're starting to give them the first brand experience. They're starting to lay the foundation of expectation setting and whatnot. And so giving opportunities to the sales leaders in a um, constructive way, instead of just sending over stuff that says, oh, you sold this customer wrong, right? Hey, let me give the sales leader an opportunity. Hey, can you come talk to this churn customer um, and understand like where it went wrong? What went wrong? Was it more solution? Was it more experience? Was it more expectation setting? Like that also gives them an opportunity in a constructive way to think about okay, was there a misstep in the front? Oh yeah, we really did miss that, that expectation. Or you know what? Maybe that sales leader goes back into the product org and says, hey, we're really, we're really um, talking about this solution in the market you know, as like a, a solution to this type of problem. And you know, it's really not fitting because customers now are turning out the other end. So how do we change that messaging or how do we change what we're talking about in that sales cycle? So um, that's just another one that comes, comes to mind too. But I like your point about avoiding, I think it's easy to say, Hey, the person has a relationship, you should do it. But there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot that could go wrong with that. Um, and I also think too, like you want to try and find somebody that, um, is a little bit more of a third is a little bit more, maybe of somebody they haven't had too much interaction with and a little bit more of a third party, because you can ask some tougher questions like, you know, how was your relationship with the CSM or, Hey, you know, what were your, what were the real experiences you were having with our support team? Or, you know, Hey, our product went out. Do we communicate enough to you? Like, there are actual like specific questions that you can probably dig into a little bit better. Absolutely. Um, I, I love the idea of either sales or marketing, uh, depending being involved in this. The only thing, and I'll, I'll sort of, you know, couch my answer in this is so long as sales realizes this is not an opportunity to sell, (laughs) that they are going into this interview strictly with a curious mind, which, you know, some of them can do it and some of them, some of them can't. And so yeah. that's why perhaps marketing um, might be a, another place to look unless you can have someone who can genuinely, because really what you're doing is you ask questions and then you sit and you listen to their answers. You don't try to correct them. You don't try to yeah, but, 
or, well, didn't you hear about like none of that? You have to sit quietly. You take their answer. You might probe. Oh, well, could you tell me a little bit more about what you meant when you said um, support was difficult to deal with? Do you have a specific experience that you can share with me? And then you leave it. And it, that is the real, this is why it's a skill because yeah. our, our first instinct is to either defend or to yep. try to change their, their viewpoint. And that cannot happen in these exit interviews because what ends up happening is instead of an opportunity to have the relationship end on a better note, now it feels like a bait and switch. They might start feeling defensive or attacked and go, yeah, so this just confirms why it's best for me to leave. You yeah. do not want to, re to reconfirm that their decision to churn was the best one. What you want to do is at least have them go away going, hmm, okay, maybe, maybe we might consider coming back. And that to me is, is like to your point earlier, the, the likelihood of negative word of mouth marketing drops. Because yeah. now they've gone from, I'm, I hate this, blah, blah, blah. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. All these negative emotions to, you know, maybe you've just elevated them to more neutral emotions, which is wonderful, far better to have them there. And so again, with whoever's doing this, they're literally interviewing, not looking to change, not looking to, you know, influence the, the answers in any way you are just, they are kind of like fact finding just sort yeah. of, I'm curious. Let's, let's discover what your experience was in your own words. And there's one thing I, I have heard time and again with having done hundreds of these types of interviews is how many times people say, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak my mind in a way I didn't have before. Yeah. Even if they had a relationship with the CSM, it doesn't necessarily mean that they could be really open about some of these things that were really bothering them or just never really had an opportunity to come up with those discussions. Yeah. But they really are grateful for the chance. Well, it reminds you too of a relationship you might have with somebody like a friend or family member, right? And you um, you go into a situation and uh, something happens and you, you kind of say, oh, like, what were you feeling? What was happening? And then they, you know, like you said, how, how to handle that situation wrong is they start telling you how they were feeling and you're saying, well, no, you shouldn't feel like that. Like, why are you feeling like that? And then they're like, wait a minute, why are you telling me how I should feel? Like when I feel that, like it's, you know, this is my reaction, not your reaction. So like same thing, right. As you're going to that, like, you can't, you can't try and persuade. You can't also, I mean, I think the natural inclination to you, right. Is like, Hey, our, our company did everything right. And so it's like, you can't also come with that perspective to the table, um, as well. What, so, um, if you were looking at and saying, you know, here are a couple of things to remember going into those conversations and, you know, trying to do it in the right way, thinking about how to set the, how to set the conversation up. I mean, like you said, part of it is, is like really thinking through the right questions to be asking when it's, it's a skill you gotta be, you gotta like learn and harp on it. Um, but what are a couple of things that come to mind? I want to give you one of mine first, and then I'll, I'll, I want to, one of mine that I've used quite a bit is asking a question and going on mute. It sounds like the most simple thing, but like, our tendency, right. Is somebody's talking, like you said, somebody is talking, um, and answering my question and, and I want to interrupt them. Cause I want to say, Oh no, 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 that it wasn't like that. Oh no, 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 it wasn't. I'm on mute. You know, you, you don't know that I'm trying to do those things. And it just, it, it creates a lot more space and comfortable. Like if I actually see somebody else go on mute, it's, I've actually started picking up almost as a signal, like, okay, they, they actually want to hear me articulate this, um, in a way. And so like, I just think of that quite a bit that I use it not only on these types of phone calls that I've, I've had before, but also like on just meetings with 
fellow team members, meetings with other customers. So, um, but what are a couple of things that come to mind for you? Like, Hey, as you're having these conversations, like here are a couple of things to keep in mind um, to do them in the right way. Uh, first of all, love, love the mute, um, especially if that tendency is there and, and you just over time, it will, you know, this urge to jump in and persuade or change somebody's opinion um, will disappear. It won't, won't be as um, tough. Um, so a couple of things, have those questions written in advance. Don't, this is not off the top of your head. <laughs> and if you say it's going to be a 15 minute interview, then try to keep it to 15 minutes. The best ones are 30 minutes because you could really go a lot deeper, but let them know in advance. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you some, some questions. Um, is it okay if I record this? You want to set things up in the beginning because they're nervous. They have no idea what you're going to ask them. So what you want to do is just sort of bring a little bit of that down and let them, let them know to your point earlier, even in the email, just reiterate what this will be used for. And then we always say at the end, we're going to ask you for the best email address to contact you for whatever incentive you're giving them um, right down to that. And then you want to watch your time. The other thing is you got to let them know that they don't have to answer every question. So we always say, have some sort of disclaimer right at the beginning that says, if you feel uncomfortable with the question we ask, or you want to terminate the interview at any time, you are still free to do so, or sorry, you are free to do so. And we will still give you whatever that remuneration is. Yeah. We don't want anybody feeling so uncomfortable that again, you're in those negative feelings. So let them know that they do have an option to leave, even if it was written in a contract very, very rarely, I don't even know in the hundreds I've done this, like maybe there's a handful of people who've actually skipped questions or have terminated early. And it's usually not anything to do with the questions you're asking. It's usually some crisis happened and they yeah. needed to go. So let them know that, that you are here for them and that you really, really are interested, like you said, in what they're saying, set that tone by letting them know what's going to happen, what they can expect through the beginning, the middle, the end process, and that they, if they don't feel comfortable, that they are free to leave or just ask um, for the next question. They don't have to answer everything. And that just makes people already like psychologically go, oh, okay, okay. Maybe, maybe we can do this. Maybe it won't be as so bad as I thought it would be. Yeah. The, the, the other part that just popped in my mind as you were just talking about that too, is, um, is also like, I think in the follow-up, you actually have a way to do this where you can send a follow-up email that says, Hey, I've distilled down what we've talked about. And here's, here are the key points that I took away and here's what we're going to go do with, do with it. Right. You don't have to, and you, you can even put that email. You don't have to answer this. You don't have to follow up with me, but we wanted to make sure and follow up with you. Right. It just shows another step. Like you said, it shows Hey, we're willing to close the loop. We wanted to summarize this. We want to tell you what we're going to do with this information. Hey, we're taking these points into a, um, a certain decision team meeting with these types of people. And here's how we're going to use this information to try and help us better the experience. Um, but that also gives, I think a lot, a lot of closure to somebody that says, okay, I didn't just have this call for nothing. Like, you know, and they could be blown up smoke in the email, but at least they're closing the loop and saying, okay, we've summarized your feedback and here's what's going. Because the other thing that I've found as well, the reason why that helps is maybe they haven't really found a great way to go tell their team and articulate why they left. And you know what, you just did it in a way that was really helpful to them. And again, it's unfortunate, but again, like you said, it's all about how can we bring this person from negative to neutral 
Um, and those are types of things where just that little moment might stick in their mind where they say, Hey, you know what? They actually followed up with me and they gave me this, even though I was leaving their company, like they gave me this nice little blurb that I was able to go turn internally and use. Um, and so it's like those little moments that change that perception and give you a fighting chance, make it neutral, um, and just take the sting out. Like, that's the thing I think, um, I was the words that were resonating earlier when you were talking was like, how do you just take the sting out? Right. Cause they're going to feel very, um, they're going to feel very hurt about this. Like you said, they don't really want to leave, but they're being, they've kind of uh, left to no ends. Now they've got to do it. They have so much more work ahead of them. They have, they have to work harder, like theoretically. And so now there's going to be a lot of sting. Um, and so how can you remove that in a, in the right way? Um, so that's just, that's what came to mind for me too. I love it. And it, in going in and looking at this from their perspective, again, yeah. how I, I love it. And I, I learned this from my Jason Lemkin actually of Saster he wrote that, like, how did we fail you? Yeah. And going in, like looking at all of the exit interviews and going in with that mindset, how did we fail you is, is going to set the entire tone of the types of questions that are asked and those emails and the, the closing, you know, closing of the loop, all of that will, will then, you know, trickle down because we all want to be, we all want to be heard but the bigger thing is we all want to feel like we have been heard. There's yeah. a difference between, you know, doing a survey, you put it out there, you're like, oh, fingers crossed, somebody read it versus having somebody come back and say, wow, like you, you listened to me. You heard what I was saying. Okay. Yeah. Takes that sting out comes from negative to neutral and, you know, they may or may never come back. That's fine. But you, you've made those moves and who knows what it's going to be like at the next company that they, they, your competitor that they're choosing to do business with. Maybe things aren't so, so great over there and they go, mm, okay, well, when I left, because we have that recency bias, right? Yeah. It's usually the last thing that happens that really colors our view. Well, if you can take them from negative to neutral, that is very significant in terms of sticking in their minds. And so there's greater opportunity for those win back campaigns to be uh, a little more successful just from doing something like a 30 minute um, exit interview. Yeah. That, um, that point that you just made too, it like just resonated so much about, you know, the like recency bias that they're going to have and how like that, at the end of the day could be something that like comes back around in like a goodwill um, or like the, you know, the world's comes full circle all the time. Right. We, we had this, re we had a, a situation recently, a customer um, had churned and, you know, we had held this type of exit interview and we kind of, you know, we were easy to do business with. Um, and, you know, they turned around a couple months later and, and they said, Hey, you know what? We actually made the wrong choice. Like we're, we are not happy with where we're going. We don't think it's the right path. We would like to come back. Um, what can we do to do that? And it, like you said, it was um, hard when they were leaving because it was a customer that we felt like we were close to that we had this relationship with. Um, but because of the way that we were able to exit and kind of offboard them from our company, it actually left a good taste in their mouth where they said, hey, you, you know what, you actually are doing things the right way. Um, let me come back and see what we can do. The other thing that was just resonating too, right? Like if for anything else, like the reason to do this type of stuff is like even just perception wise, right? Hey, we are a customer centric company because we're like, we're asking you for this type of information, you know? So like, uh, I'm not saying go out there and like you said, bait and switch people and do that kind of stuff. But like, even, even if for nothing else, like you can go to and confidently say to your future customers and say, Hey, we 
we do have practices that we believe are customer centric. And this is one of like, these are the types of things that we do. Um, and you know, you can feel good and confident. Your team can feel good and confident about that too. When they say those types of things, right. I think in some cases, some companies are like, yeah, we're customer centric. And then your employees are kind of sitting around saying like, are we like, what are we really doing? And then like, you know, now it's like, Hey, let's actually talk about these things and how we're doing them and why we're doing them. And now our team has more confidence walking in to meetings and to um, prospects and future customers and current customers and kind of having those conversations. So um, yeah, I, I, I think this is um, a big topic that nobody really wants to spend dollars on, like you said, right? Like no one's really sitting there saying, Hey, how do we spend dollars on churn customers? But the more you look at it is like the more information that we can gather from these types of customers means that we've got a fighting chance for future ones. And so we need to be thinking about that as we, um, as we look at some of these practices and some of these processes that we have um, to close the loop in the right ways. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why budget needs to be assigned to it. It's not like, um, oh, they're turning, we'll just let them go. And it's so, why are we bothering anyway? It's compare it to just even if you can save two, three, four customers and and the revenues there compared to whatever, a couple thousand dollars, 10, 15, however many you want to do, because it, it all depends. You can do this with a bigger um, a bigger group of customers that are turning. You can do it with small ones. You can just do it with certain stakeholders. Like it's however you want to create it. The bigger thing is getting it started and realizing that the information you'll learn will far, you know, outweigh how much you've spent on, on these incentives that, that you're giving. Right. So again, it's, when you start looking at it that way, it's almost like, well, wow, why wouldn't we do this? Like, it just makes sense if we can save so many customers and then it trickles down. It becomes yeah. easier for the CSMs. It becomes easier for sales. It becomes easier for marketing. It becomes easier for product. It becomes easier for support because these are challenges the customers are having. Maybe they don't need to reach out five times now to support for an issue because it was identified over a certain number of customer interviews you make a process change and boom, now they're only calling in once. Like think of just the money saved in that. When you start looking at it that way versus, oh, well, they're just churning and now we have to pay them, you know, <laughs> to talk yeah. to us. It really is the approach you're going in with. I see this as, as tremendous value for, for the money, not just for the customers, but like I said, for all employees, because yeah. maybe there's an issue with billing that you're not even hearing about, right? It's just not coming through the channels because nobody has ever really talked about it. Who knows? Yeah. And that's that's why you have to take the opportunity to ask. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, Anita, I've, I've enjoyed this. So we, we just talked through, you know, exit interviews and thinking about, you know, how to offboard churn customers in the right ways. Um, how, you know, who, or how do we, how do we get them to agree to do that type of thing? Um, who should be delivering that type of conversation, the types of, uh, questions and considerations that we should be thinking about as we go into those, those types of, uh, calls. So, um, I enjoyed this quite a bit, but if people want to find more of you and, um, what you're putting out, where's the the best place for people to get, uh, more Anita Toth. So my favorite online home is LinkedIn. So definitely look for me there. I believe my thing is Anita M Toth. Um, you can look for me there. The other place is my website, anitatoth.ca. Yes, I am Canadian. You probably heard it in my accent a couple of times. And if you look under free info, like I mentioned earlier, you're going to see there's a um, mini guide and then the ultimate guide 
to customer exit interviews, which really says specifically about how to set these programs up because it should be a program. It shouldn't just be sort of, you know, a casual thing that happens. It should, there should be um, processes involved in it. And the one thing I got to mention, Jeff, we never talked about at the end is about what you're supposed to do with all the data you collect afterward. So it's addressed in there. And so, um, you know, just, just go have a look. I don't ask for your email. All the information's just there. So feel free to poke around and, and have a look. That's one of the reasons why um, I think we've got along so well uh, is that you are, you're always giving value and um, you've dropped a ton of free, uh, amazing resources that you've built uh, throughout your career and um, have utilized with some of your customers now. So uh, appreciate this. I hope, I hope you have a good holiday, Anita. I hope those listen, uh, if you listen to this, might be holidays, but hope you had a great holiday. Um, if you, when you listen to this and, uh, we're going to do this again here soon. That's great. Thank you very much, Jeff. And, uh, I'm looking forward to 2022. I think, I think it's going to be a, a much better year, a little bit less stress and a little more joy than we've had perhaps in the last couple of years. I'm going to hold you to that. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.